Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman podcast today. Uh, today is going to be an exciting episode because, uh, well, first, because my co-host Micah Current is here. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. And Micah, would you like to introduce our special guest today? Yeah. Um, when you asked me to do this the other day, I kind of felt kind of, you know, you know, excited to do this, but at the same time nervous. But um, today we're uh, we're excited to announce that Jeanette Flynn's um, with us. And uh, just remembering Jeanette from just a small age, uh, a, you know, young age to to now, it's just been a joy and an honor to, to get to know her, work alongside her, um, grow up under her and uh, serve alongside her. So um, Jeanette, I don't know what your exact title is these days, but you are... <laughs> Uh, just an amazing person uh, in the Church of God, uh, amazing preacher, leader, teacher. Um, can we call you a CEO, leadership focus? I, I don't know what that exact title <laughs> was again. But anyway, um, Jeanette, we're just so excited that you're here. So welcome. Thank you so much. It's a it's a joy to be with you guys. And Micah, every time I'm with you, it does take me back to years and years ago when I first met you and your family and you know, watched you guys literally grow up in the church in a in in a pastor's home. Mm. Uh, watched you do that, and and how you have navigated. Um, actually, you know the the mountaintops and the pitfalls of living in a pastor's home, yeah. and uh, you've done that with um, grace and tenacity, and it takes both. So, and yeah. Scott. Joy to be with you today and uh, get acquainted with you a little bit. So, yes. gentlemen, thanks for the privilege of just joining you this morning. Yeah, I think the first, I was trying to think this morning when I got up, when the first time I heard you either speak or um, met you, just my earliest memory. And I'm, I'm trying to think of like, it was one of two things. One, you either did a revival at my dad's church um, when I was really young, or um, did you speak at camp meeting years ago when it was in Reardon? I did. In I fact, think that was my first memory of you uh, was speaking yeah. at Reardon. Scott and I both went to Anderson. I went to seminary and Scott went to undergrad there. So like the old camp meeting days in Reardon Auditorium, that, I think that was the earliest memory I had of you speaking. Hmm. That, that was, uh, let's see, I would think the first time I spoke at camp meeting, I believe was either 1981 or 82. Um, and then several times since then. So. Well, it had to be in the nineties because I wasn't born yet. I was. Oh, born there you go. See, I'm now. I've given it away. <laughs> I was. I was <laughs> well, I was born in '86. Scott was born in the uh, late '70s, right? No, '82, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why do people think I'm older than I am? I used to have the curse that everyone thought I was younger than I look, and now it's like, oh no, you look really old. Something must have happened that made me look older than I am. Now. It must have something to do with pastoring Church of God. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It just pastoring in general. <laughs> Jeez, <dude. laughs> no, it's just pastoring in general. It, it just ages you. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Well. It, that's why I call it the mountaintops and the pitfalls. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And it's both. Uh, yeah. Goodness. Well, Jeanette, again, thank you for being on the show. So, Jeanette, we have this segment called Stories Gone Wild. And I was curious to see if you actually had a story for us to share. <laughs> Probably in ministry, we all have many. My mind starts sorting out which ones are appropriate, you know, to tell on a, on a podcast and which one should you go to your grave with. Um, but, 
the, probably the one that um, really does hang in my mind often. And I think about it so many times. I um, led a missions trip to Honduras years ago and uh, when I was pastoring. And uh, took a couple of doctors, a couple of nurses. We actually did a medical mission trip and then a few of, of the uh, lay leaders to support that medical mission trip. And um, it was such a, a you know, such an amazing experience. We would uh, arrive in one of the villages and I, I remember one time, there's a lot of mountains in Honduras, right? A lot of <laughs> cliffs and so forth. We arrived at this one and we were supposed to, when we arrived, you literally could look up this almost, I swear it was like about a 120 degree angle path that goes up to where the village is at. Mm. And um, we had to carry everything. And I was thinking, oh dear, this is this is going to be difficult. Um, but before we could even hardly get out of the trucks and pick our stuff up, the village literally started down the path toward us singing. And they sang the whole way down the village, sang as they surrounded us, greeted us. And then as they carried all of our bags up that uh, cliff I was so worried about, they carried our bags up there singing the entire time. And um, I just remember just weep. It was like, talk about wild. That's w mm. wonderful wild. Um, mm. When you see people who have nothing in their pocketbook, nothing, you know, no bank account to even worry about um, and little to eat, but just with joy welcomed us. And so that was crazy. I suppose the that was a, a wonderful wild on that trip, but that trip just, I mean, I have like 10 stories for that one. Um, but the other one was we were headed one evening to uh, a service and for me to, I was supposed to preach, you know, and so I rode in the front of the truck and everybody else climbed in the bed of the truck, you know, to, to go and it was evening, it gotten dark. And in Honduras, there's not a lot of external lighting that goes on there. Some of them, many do not even have it in their homes. At any rate, we arrived out in this mountain village, the truck pulled up and stopped. I opened the front door and stepped out. And the next time I stopped was about 20, 25 feet down. Um, I had literally just stepped out of the truck and fell straight down the side of a mountain. And for a minute, couldn't quite get my bearings of what had happened. And then I could hear people going, where's Jeanette? Where's Jeanette? Because it's dark, you know, and we have a few flashlights. And I thought, oh, dear God, I'm going to die down here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm supposed to preach. Uh, and so um, I started to yell and it was hilarious. I mean, literally, I to this day, I don't really clearly remember how they brought me back up the side of that mountain. Mm. But I just kept thinking it was another moment where I kept thinking, you know, some of these mountains are thousands of feet you could have fallen off a cliff or at least hundreds and um for god to have protected me um mm. to, to provide gifts 
you know, the singing, I'll never forget that moment. Um, I won't ever forget the moment of kind of coming around and being 25 feet down in the dark and um, realizing there was no way back up out of that dark Mm. without other hands to help me. Um, And so it was a crazy trip. But what I learned on that trip was um, it always takes other hands to help us go up mountains, Um, whether it's with singing or, or whether they're pulling us out of the darkness. It was just a great trip, Scott, that lingers yet in my mind and heart it it was a trip gone wild um, <laughs> but it also became a trip that made my own heart a little more wild about kingdom uh living and kingdom mission um, it just had a lot to teach me that's great wonderful thank you so much for sharing that Michael. Yeah. did you have a crazy uh, story gone wild for us <laughs> well, I don't know if I can top. I don't know if I can top that or bottom that compared to you know just falling down the side of a cliff. Um, were you hurt? Like I just want to like obviously you're okay now, but like were you hurt and like did you? Break I was bones hurt. Or? We had Ooh. a couple of doctors and nurses with us. Fortunately, well, it's a good thing you took them. Uh, yeah, yeah, took them for me. What do you know? Um, <laughs> this is so when I fall down cliffs. Um, <laughs> just in case I fall down a cliff. Just in case I fall, I know, right? Walking in the streets of Anderson, Indiana, I may fall down a cliff. I need a oh doctor and nurse with me. Yeah, don't go on mission trips without a doctor. That's my answer to that. But uh, nothing broken, but there was um, some damage done and. So over the next uh, three to four days, the uh, doctors and nurses kind of helped to take care of that. So, mm. wow, that's a crazy. That's that's probably going to be the most crazy story that we've ever had on on the Scott Dillon <laughs> podcast. But um, yep, definitely, we. I mean, that was probably years ago too, right? Like you said, it was when you were pastoring regularly. So um, it was, yeah. Um, I my story is kind of you know it's different but um i i've shared on this podcast that i i worked in, in 2021 at a at a multi-site church and it was, a, it was a rather large church and kind of the makeup of that church was they had two locations and they had five they had six services every weekend but five was at the main campus and one was at the satellite and the way that the uh satellite worked was that they had a a campus pastor and then they had a worshiping youth pastor who took care of everything at the satellite campus. Um, and during my time there, um, my friend Mark, who is the, uh, the worship and, and youth pastor, um, shared, uh, you know, somewhere bond to me with worship and just, you know, kingdom work and just a, a wonderful person. And he became one of my closest friends during my time there. And so he had, uh, been texting me and like, it, it had been a while since we had actually talked on the phone. And so like, similar to like if I call you Scott and rant to you about something or call you Jeanette and mm-hmm. rant to you about something uh, Mark kind of wanted to share some stuff with me about you know where he was at and so um they I'm sorry Mark called me and then um he let me know that Glenn who was the the campus pastor like retired just out of the blue and didn't tell Mark and like Mark and him work side by side and they're really close and so apparently he went to the main campus, had a conversation with the staff and the elders and was like, you know what? I'm going to be done. I just want to be done. And so like uh, Mark showed up at church a couple of weeks ago and they just mm. announced it from the stage and didn't tell Mark at all. 
Oh, and um, it was Mark's um, prayer and hope that he could be the next campus pastor of that church. So uh, kind of the makeup of the church is that the lead pastor and his wife um, are getting ready to retire, I think, at the end of this year or the end of next. And so they've already hired a pastor to come in and um, kind of succeed, have like a succession plan. And so they've already hired that guy. He's already started in a preaching rotation. And so um, when Glenn announced that he was retiring, Mark was like, well, you know, I, I would apply for the job. I, you know, would, would enjoy and very much entertain that idea. And uh, part of the communication that came back to Mark was that, um, no, uh, we hired somebody else. So Glenn retired. And the guy that was that's replacing the the lead pastor has a friend from the same church that he came from, and they're bringing him to be the campus pastor. And so Mark has to work with somebody wow. who he doesn't even know. He's not even educated. Like Mark has like a master's of divinity and a bachelor's of uh, Christian ministries. This guy apparently just has a bachelor's degree, and he doesn't have any preaching teaching experience. He just hired him because he worked for the church with this other guy. And so like Mark was super upset, like. And I, I mean, I don't blame him, right? Like if that, mm -hmm. that job was open and so Mark had, had shared um, his frustration and felt really bad for him, but like the people of the church are really upset as well because they, they had no idea that, that Glenn, their campus pastor was retiring and they were already hired somebody else. And so like Mark's like, they're talking about splitting off. They're talking about starting another church. They're talking mm -hmm. about like, it's just. It is stores gone wild in a way because yeah. it's like, you know, yeah. that that's very detrimental to a church. And, um, you know, they love Mark. And if Mark left, they would leave. So it's it's just a fascinating thing. Church health and, and leadership decisions that are made. And, um, yeah, I wasn't like falling off the side of a mountain, but, you know, but <laughs> it, it, it's know. it's uh, it was, you know. He was very hurt and, and rightfully so. His wife was upset. And so, mm. um, yeah, not the greatest of decisions, I, I think, in my opinion, uh, made by the leadership of the church there. And so, yeah, that's kind of my story. Scott, do you have a, a crazy story? I know that your church, like, didn't catch on fire last week, but. It <laughs> yeah, it doesn't top having the, all the Columbus Fire Department come to the church for an odd smell of that smells like burning and there is no fire. Like, <laughs> goodness. When you're still Con talking about that today, like even, oh, it's like, oh. Jeanette, just for context, Scott went to the church he works at last Sunday morning and there was a smell and he couldn't find it. He couldn't find it. And then he found like a utility room or something and there was smoke and stuff that had poured out. And he was like, he was worried the church was going to catch on fire or something. So he had to call the fire department and it was this big mess. But in addition to that, he he gained a student in his student ministry. I gained because... a student, and she was actually there this past <laughs> Sunday for our youth when we had it at a because at a, at a all because the church house. all because Didn't the church could have been on fire. <laughs> fire evangelism, baby, let's go. <laughs> no, so my story definitely is probably like the lowest one this week that I've told. So, Micah, you were Mike always tells me, "Hey, have you gotten this email from?" church of god i'm like no no so i'm like well let me go back to atlas so i went back to uh, atlas and i checked my profile sure enough i had some things that weren't checked so that's why i wasn't getting emails so i'm like well let me fix that real quick but then somehow atlas likes to instead of looking at the stuff for like my thing it always kicks it over to the church anytime when i click on something i don't know why and i just since i'm not currently serving in a church of god church 
Um, I was just curious. I was looking. It says nothing about the church. But then when I clicked on staff, I found out I had two staff members at my non-existent church. And one of them is Steve Broby, which me and Micah talk about all the time on the show. And then there's like another He's a lead pastor at another church. He's a lead pastor at another church at uh, Water's Edge Church out in Virginia Beach. And then there's another uh, Stephen on my staff too. And I'm like, wow, I should start having staff meeting for this invisible church that doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so Steve Broby, Steve uh, Finocharo, uh, we have staff meeting Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Uh, please be there. Uh, so that's my story. Like, you're really not that exciting. But I love it. Wait till they ask for a pay raise. <laughs> yep. Well, well, a couple months ago, I went to log in to, to Atlas to pay my yearly, whatever you want to call it, for my license credentials, I, whatever it's called. Right. And so I logged in and tried to pay online and it wouldn't let me. And so I called Church God offices and they were like, Oh, it works. I'm like, no, it doesn't. I can, I'll I'll send you the link right now. (laughs) And and she was like, where where are you going? So I I navigated the lady through, through the website I was going through, through Atlas and and whatnot. And she was like, you know what? You're right. It doesn't work. And I was like, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not completely, I'm not completely stupid. I I just, but yeah, I, I would say it's an upgrade from ministry connector, but it's not far from it. And Scott and I, th- I think I think Scott and I have done an episode about Atlas. Have we done an episode about Atlas? I don't know if we have. We may have talked a little bit about it. I know I talked a lot about my crazy things with Ministry Connector towards the end before it finally was laid to rest. <laughs> like Jeanette shaking her head, yes, because. Oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> And then I would I would contact IT and they wouldn't get back to me for like four months at a time or I'll contact them. Hey, we're still looking at it, Mr. Stedman. Okay. Four months later. Well, Sorry, I'm, there's nothing we I, can do. <laughs> we don't know what's wrong with it. Well, when I'm getting crazy phone calls, like even now since Atlas has been started from like the random, you know, Church of God church that has a congregation of 40 people and they want a part-time bivocational pastor. And they but they want you to move. And yeah. they don't want you to pay. They don't want to pay you full time. And I'm like, my wife has a stellar job. I have really good ministry opportunities here. You know, I, I sorry, I, what? Yeah. Right, politely decline. But um, yeah. but anyway, Scott, are we gonna with the interview for Jeanette? Was we dive yeah, into that? Are we, we are. Are we, we, just could, gonna, we could talk about we gonna, stories all day, but that's not why we're here. We so um, so Jeanette, kind of give um us and even the audience just kind of a snapshot of your uh, call to ministry and kind of that journey. Take us on that journey. Yeah, you know that um, that's a fascinating journey for me, at least. God's still working out that call, and uh, I've been in ministry now for almost forty years, and I still feel like I'm um, still discerning the call. And I probably will be doing that for the rest of my life um, because I think that's how he works in my life. I'm not sure that um, God ever lets me get to the place where I've arrived. He just keeps going. It's a little farther. Come on. It's a little farther. So it starts, though, all the way back. um, You know, literally, I grew up in a home where my mom and dad had just gotten saved before I was born, Um, just shortly before I was born. They had um, come to know Christ as their savior. And so it was a very um, 
fresh experience for them. They were very passionate about it. And the church they were in uh, was filled with young families who were in a similar setting. And so I literally grew up, uh, was born into this home where they just, you know, believe that you do what the Bible says and it works. And so I grew up in this home where from the beginning, um, you know, every night we had Eggemeyer's Bible storybook and prayer before we went to bed. Didn't matter, you know, what was going on. And so that was the, uh, or if we were sick, we prayed, we called the pastor and we prayed. Um, Mm. Don't know about doctors, but we call the pastor and we pray. And um, if we're really sick, pastor would come and anoint us. And so I grew up in that kind of a setting where um, the sense that God would do something with your life, he had a plan for your life, was absolutely um, just embedded within all of us. And so uh, when I first began to feel this call, this awareness, discernment, I don't know that I thought it was different or unique, or I don't know that I still do. Um, I just believed with all my heart that if Christ was my savior, then he had ownership. He had paid the price. You know, the scripture says, do you not know you've been bought with a price? And so just this awareness that this, that God has a call on my life. And so from the very beginning, from my earliest memories, I can remember um, just that answer of yes to him, whether it was um, my junior high, um, they asked me to uh, play the piano for the junior church. You, you be the pianist for junior church. It's like, I think God wants me to do this. So it's a yes. So by the time it came to ministry, there had been those um, experiences in my life, you know, late elementary, junior high, high school of saying, yeah, yes, I think God wants me to do that. So when it came to ministry, it just felt like this continued step of discerning, yes, I think God wants me to do that. And I still am walking in that experience, um, to be honest with you, Scott. And so that call to ministry for me wasn't, it was not um, the kind of thing I hear some people say of God wants me to be a pastor of a church of 5,000 or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever. It was a yes to the next step that I believe God is Um, leading me and having that openness, uh, walking in that path, having been trained to walk in that path uh, from childhood up, um, I think has allowed me to be a bit unfettered, um, to be a bit unbound by some of the some of the expectations that I see sometimes people get bound up with. So it's probably not a call to ministry story. Like, you know, I didn't see any flashing light that blinded me and I didn't hear voices in the night and none, none of that. Um, It was more of a way that we were all raised. Now I have to tell you this though, Scott, out of that little church in rural Ohio, right? So I grew up in Northeast Ohio. 
Okay. And that's that no little, yeah, and that <laughs> that's no problem. Thanks. I can still be on the show. Uh, so in that little church in Northeast <laughs> Ohio, uh, we have counted it up. It's over 50 people <laughs> out of that little cornfield church, uh, 50 people that have gone into either pastoring or leadership at the national level or global ministry mm. or educational ministry, over 50 people. And I have to believe that part of the secret of that was that that little congregation literally breathed that sense of God has a plan for your life and what is he asking of you? And um, so my call to ministry story is just this ongoing journey of God saying, come on, now we're going to do this. Not, not very exciting. Um, but Well, it's almost like you planted seeds along the way for you. And oh my you, goodness. you just kind of picked up on those as you, you went and you just build upon that. And it's, it's no different than salvation, right? Like God, you, you see the Lord, you get saved, you, you recognize that Jesus is Lord and savior. And then he just, he builds you like the song says, build my life. But like literally just every step of the way, God was ordaining and planting those seeds along your journey. And that's, and that's amazing because like, if we think we've all figured it out, then what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I no. mean, right. I mean, yeah, honestly, yeah, and I think and I think there's even wisdom with that, like especially with your call story that, you know, it's just kind of being faithful to what God has next and not tied into a certain vocation or even like a certain mm-hmm. expectation. I mean, there's a lot of I mean, talking with some people who have left the ministry, sometimes their stories is like, well, I've always wanted felt the call to be a pastor and then they went to be a pastor and then it's like oh, this isn't exactly, and now it's like their whole world gets rocked, their whole sense of identity gets rocked, and it's like, now they're kind of don't know what to do, and they're just kind of doing whatever to pay bills and provide for their families, but they still feel unfulfilled because they've, their call was so tied into one identity, one decision, instead of, exactly, yeah, position, so yeah, good. Um, So um, during your many years in, in, in ministry, um, and especially this progression that you talk about, just like what's next, what were some of the challenges that you've faced as you were being obedient to God's call upon your life? Yeah, I think a, a couple of challenges, um, some, some of them come from within. Sometimes we have mm-hmm. challenges in life. You know, I don't, I don't think people in ministry, are some special, you know, like unicorns or anything. I, I think we, we, we all have, uh, you know, challenges. Some of my mm-hmm. challenges come from me. They come from within me mm-hmm. uh, and my own personality. And I, I tend to be, um, you know, one of those individuals that I want to start 59 things, but I don't enjoy st- finishing any of them kind of a thing. So some of my challenges have been learning how to, um, how, how to benefit from the strengths of my personality and how to manage the weaknesses of my personality. And um, I've learned that the hard way over the years. I've had to get some bumps and bruises and, um, you know, some, conversations with supervisors who expressed some discontent about, 
you know, you were going to do this, this, and this, but you didn't finish it. Uh, learn. I think one of the challenges, Scott, is just figuring out who we are and learning how um, to really benefit from the, the strengths we have. But I know a whole lot of pastors who will not manage the weaknesses in their life because mm-hmm. it requires discipline or it requires doing things you don't want to do, you don't like to do kind mm-hmm. of a thing, or you don't think you should have to do. Um, and so one of the challenges I would say, Scott, just comes from learning how to manage me. Mm. That's one. I think a second challenge, um, you know, certainly, and I, I don't want to oversell this or undersell it. I think one of the challenges has been being a strong female leader. Mm. Um, n- not always welcomed. Uh, that's that, you know, and, and yeah, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to oversell that because I've had many um, blessings in my life and many opportunities. So don't, don't think I've been shut in a cell somewhere. Um, God has blessed me richly, but there've been a ton of times. I never forget one of the first, <laughs> one of the first experiences where it was like, okay, how are we going to manage this? Was um, I was associate pastor in Vancouver, Washington, uh, first full-time assignment. And um, the pastor had asked me to speak uh, in his absence. He was on vacation or something. And so I preached that Sunday morning. And I will never forget one of the board of trustee members came up to me afterwards. That's back when we had trustees. One of the board of trustee members came up to me afterwards and said to me, well, you know, if you zipped your pants up the front, you'd be pretty good. I like have no words for you right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, in today's world, you 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 might get slapped with some kind of a lawsuit. But that was in, in, the, in the North X with everybody coming and going. And he was a big guy and, and, and a little bit loud and... I know that at least three or four people standing around heard his, well, you know, (laughs) if you just zipped your pants up the front, it'd be like, oh my. So you face those challenges and then you have to decide what you're going to do with it. But let me tell you the end of that little challenge story. I had Mm -hmm. to learn how to love Bill and Bill had to learn how to love me because Mm -hmm. as I continued in ministry there, I determined I was not going to let that stand between us. And I was going to figure out how to love him and how to help. And some years later, I was there for eight years. I think maybe probably six, seven years later, it was toward the end of my ministry. I get to sit in the room with Bill as he is dealing with a diagnosis of terminal cancer. And I get to be there to listen to him, walk with him and have him say to me, Jeanette, there's nobody I'd rather have sitting in this room with me right now, helping me to walk through this time. And so it was um, such a joy. And what I learned from that, Scott, was that there are always challenges. And again, in life, 
ministers, you know, stop thinking of yourself as a unicorn. You're human. And, you know, just because you have a challenge, um, stop acting like somehow you, you are the victim. So get over being a victim and figure out how to face challenges. And I'm sorry, I'm preaching now. I know. Get over feeling like a victim and start facing challenges as, okay, if the power of the resurrection works in me, how can I take this challenge and bring the dunamis of Jesus Christ to bear on this challenge in such a way that down the road, life comes from this? And so um, are there challenges that didn't work out so victoriously? Sure. But I am here to tell you that um, challenges are a part of life and we need to realize that uh, the only difference is that we have the dunamis power of Christ to bring to life that which we think is dead. It's not. It's not. You never know what God's going to do. So some of the challenges are in me mm-hmm. and some of the challenges come to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, good Good insight. And especially the first part about the challenges working on stuff in me. That's very I think that's one thing that I think a lot of people in ministry don't want to navigate. Nope. Because I mean, it's it's it puts you in a very vulnerable position. And um, I can I can go back to real quickly just when I was pastoring in Cortland, Ohio. Oh, yeah. um, I was I went to a formational prayer seminar that was put on by the uh, seminary that I went to at Ashland Theological Seminary, and it was as a counselor trying to how do I integrate good biblical practices within and use by using counseling tools. And we great seminar. We had this one moment where we're sitting there, we're kind of going through this exercise and I volunteered to do it and I'm writing stuff and they're like, okay, well then if here's some of the weird characteristics or weird mannerisms that I have on healthy things in my life, then what's the wound that's causing all this stuff? And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I can't think of anything. And I'm just sitting here like, I don't know. And everyone's kind of discussing it. And I'm still looking at this board, everything I've written down. And then all of a sudden it was just like that, like the spirit, Holy Spirit revealed what it was. And I'm like, oh, okay, I know what it is. And I shared it. And we had this time where we were praying with one another. And it was just like one of those things where I felt healing from this thing. Um, even though this lie that had penetrated my life since I was a kid and how yes. much it was affecting not only my personal life, but even my ministry as well. And I thought, my goodness, this was like the the best thing I ever did. It's well, and so- I think well, I was I was gonna say, I think too that like um Jeanette, we can we'll probably get into it in a little bit, but like in leadership focus, one of the the class that I'm teaching for you is you know the what kind of leader are you, right? And yeah. if you, you don't know what kind of leader you are, how can you lead, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't know your weaknesses, even even in your strengths, you're going to have weaknesses, right? They run parallel, right? And so, um, you know, I learned years ago at a, a conference I went to that um, uh, it was a leadership seminar and it was like, what kind of leader are you? It's like, are you a strong leader? Are you a tactical leader? Are you a, um, a feeler kind of thing? And like, so I learned really quickly that I'm a tactical person right? I'm a very emotional person, but I'm a tactical person because I like to make lists and I like to check off those lists and I like to get those things done. And, you know, I, I hate doing, I hate having 50 plates in the air 
and trying, like you said earlier, you're like, you like to start 70 projects and not, and not finish them. Right. For me, it's like, I want to finish every single one of those and I, wanna, <laughs> and I don't want to quit until, you know, until they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a great point that you brought up because it's, you know, it, I think it really just depends on what kind of leader you are and, and knowing the people around you, whether they're volunteers, whether they're lay people, whether they're staff, um, whether they're colleagues. Um, if you, if you don't know the type of people you're working with, how are you going to, A, um, know how to prepare for that situation and then B, you know, bring reconciliation if there is conflict within that, the wiring between, you know, like you said with, his name is Bill, right? Um right with bill and the other thing you know i have to laugh about this a little bit but like the, the comment about the zipping of the pants i just couldn't help but think of the early days of the church of god like in like the late 1800s when women wore skirts they weren't allowed to wear pants that's right <laughs> and so now it's you know it's a common thing it's not even a you know um, that's right yeah not totally uncommon but i think scott wanted to kind of continue our conversation and talk about being a pioneer speaking of the early days of, of church of god and maybe your ministry yeah. You know, I've been thinking about that word, um, pioneer. I think I, you are just to, just from my, my perspective, I, I admire you. And I think that, that, um, you know, during my journey of credentialing and ordination there, there was the the heavy conversation of women in ministry and even having to write a theological statement about it. And for me, and, and a lot of times, like when I get asked or cornered or sit in a meeting and have the discussion about women in ministry, I'm like, it was never a thing for me because I grew up listening to people like you listening to people like Lily McCutcheon listening yeah, to people like Diana swoop. And it was never to me, never thought of, Oh, women in ministry. That's a negative thing. No, I, I, I never, you know, that, that never really crossed my mind, but in my mind, I, I think that you are very much that pioneer person uh, in regards to women in ministry, whether you want to uh, admit it or not. Cause I know that you were one of the most humble people I know, but um, go ahead. No, thank you. <laughs> Well, I don't know about pioneer. That's my my big thing. It, I feel like, um, and it could be because of the what we talked about a moment ago. That whole training, equipping of I just say yes to the next thing God asks. Mm-hmm. But um, I've I've been playing with two words as I thought and prayed about this um, morning session. Um, the difference between being an entrepreneur and being a pioneer. And um, I think I fall somewhere in a little bit of both of those, I guess. Um, you know, n- new new horizons don't scare me. They excite me. Um, and so whether it's a pioneer, entrepreneur, um, I, I love doing that. I figured out, though, something else about all of that whole thing. A um, couple of things that I wanted to share. One, remember, we're talking about the challenges from either inside or outside because of my loving to launch 75 new projects, you know, by the end of the week kind of a thing. um, I figured out that sometimes I, I really can see the future. I really can see the next thing to do the net. I can see where you should be going next. Um, but I'm ahead of the timing. And so my timing is off and I've had to learn over the years. And I wonder for pioneers, 
if this isn't a lesson, because I'm sure there are other pioneers listening to this. And I think you guys are pioneers in some ways. So I'm wondering as a pioneer, if part of what we have to learn to do is to figure out, I can see where we need to go. But Micah, you said this a minute ago, I've got to know the people I'm leading. I've got to know where it is they're ready to go because they're not always ready when I am. As a pioneer, as an entrepreneur, I'm ready now. I don't need to pack a bag. I don't need to read a book. I just am ready to go. They're not. Yeah. Um, well, I, I maybe pioneer was the wrong word, but, but I guess what I was thinking, I think I shared this with you and Scott shared this with me a couple of weeks ago, but like statistically speaking, the percentage of women in ministry is less now than when it was in like the 20s and 30s. I don't, know if that, I don't know Huge. if that's church of God. I don't know if that's just the church at large. Um, church of God specifically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in, in reference, I think in reference to the word pioneer, like you were, you were doing this years ago and yeah. it wasn't, you know, yes, you probably went through your trials and you just shared some of that, but like taking that, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, I, I've, I very, I need to pick my words and not, you know, get, carried away but like i think that like the discussion of 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 female empowerment or women in ministry has just Mm -hmm. yes i know that there are people that struggle on it yes i know that there are people that go through difficult times and there are difficult churches to pastor regardless of your gender however um you know it that's it's a startling um statistic to know that 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 women are significant significantly less now than they were in the 20s and 30s we're talking 100 years ago yeah. Right. And like, mm-hmm. why is that? Why do you think that is? And, and I'm, I know I'm throwing you a curveball and asking you a question. Not at all. Why, no. Why do you think that is? <laughs> I think it's an important discussion, actually, mm-hmm. of why that is. And I, I've charted this this water a couple of times trying to help figure it out with others. I think there's contributing factors to it. One, a, a significant tr- contributing factor, though, guys, that I'm going to put on the table. Um, because you might hear it again a little bit later if I get to feed this in as well. But one of the contributing factors is in the church of God, we have this thing where we've said, you know, we don't have a creed. We don't sign any pay. You know, we've been so um, almost resistant to having like any kind of formalized beliefs uh, they're they're kind of nebulous. I, I can identify them, but to say we have them, we don't. So we welcome, right? Every blood washed one. Well, here's my answer to that. I think we've done that unwisely. I think we've done that um, without forethought to where that was going to take our little ship called the church of God. And what happened was we had a ton of folks that have come into the church of God and we never bothered to anchor them in our Wesleyan holiness beliefs. We've never bothered to um, let them know that we believe that the Holy Spirit gifts equally men and women, um, that the Holy Spirit gives equally white and black and brown and yellow. We, we've never bothered that. They just came in and we said, well, they love Jesus. And so as a result, to be very honest with you, I think part of our problem, Micah, is that we've allowed 
the what we believed in the beginning, the foundations upon which we were built, we've allowed them to be eroded by resisting teaching what we believe. We we thought that somehow that took away from our, you know, being non-credal, non-denominational, non- we couldn't have anything. So now guess what? We don't have anything because mm, well, we've created bad habits. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Micah. It's like so, I play music, you know, I'm a musician. Like if I don't practice my scales and practice those fundamentals, like I'm never yeah. going to continue to, you know, to continue to evolve as a musician. I know. Mm-hmm. So we've lost, we've, I think if you look back to where we were in the B, you know, the first 30 years of our ministry and you look at this current 30 years that we're in, um, I think we've gone backwards. We've lost uh, a a passionate missional outreach piece. We have lost women in ministry. I, I think we're confused. I think one of the great challenges to the church of God today, we do not know who we are. We don't have an identity. So as a result, we just whatever you know, whatever the prevailing wind of the season is, we run after it. And it's like, oh, for Pete's sakes, quit that. Figure out who you are. Yeah. But, but we're yeah. a movement. Yeah. Well, the movement lost its wheels a while back. It ain't that moved. was a sarcastic comment. No. Our friend, <laughs> I mean, yeah. our friend Jordan. We Jordan, Scott, and I had this conversation all the time. But it's like we grew up. And like we were preached at that the church of God was non-denominational, right. non-denominational, right. non-denominational. And it's like, well, if you're truly non-denominational, like we had this discussion last week, Jeanette, when you and I were kind of talking about this, but like the trend right now is either, you know, super, uh, super like non true non-denominational churches or independent, very mm-hmm. conservative Southern Baptist yep. churches. Yep. And like, yep. those are the trends right now. People want to go to like SBC or they want to go to the non-denoms and yep. they want to kind of, they want to have either that, and, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but like the non-denom meaning, yes, there's, and I'm not saying they're bad churches, but like there's kind of like this this loose, um, yes, there's salvation, yes, they're preaching biblical truth, but like there's not a commitment, like yeah. you know, right versus Southern Baptists where there's more of a conservative approach and you know there's structure to it, right? And so people people tend to lean more towards they want structure in their lives and you know they want that that sort of um, routine. Whereas you got this loosey goosey, um, I don't know, loosey goosey uh, non denominational approach where it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, just come to church and, you know, we might have communion, we might baptize people, we might lead people to Jesus. You may hear yeah. a message today, but like, and, you know, it's, it's in- interesting to me because we, 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 we joke about it, but it's like, why, why can't we have that discussion? Why aren't people being asked? And, and by ask, I mean, I'm not expecting, uh, people like you or, or or Jim Lyon or whoever to to call me, but like I don't want a survey in my email to to sit there and go, hey, you know what news outlet are you watching, or you know how many uh, <laughs> how many women go to your church, and are there women in leadership, or are you know like how many African Americans? Like I was raised to love everybody. Like it it shouldn't matter. Like mm. I'm sorry, I'm, and I'm I'm going on a tangent, but it's like. It's very, it's very hurtful, and it feels disrespectful to me mm-hmm. as, a, as a young pastor and a young leader in this church. And if we don't change course and figure out who in the world we are, you said it the other day to me on the phone, Jeanette. But like, 
I'm sorry, but there, we're not going to have anything left because yeah. we're too busy having these conversations and people are just going to leave because they're going to lose interest in the conversation. Right. Yeah, sorry. absolutely. No, no, I'm good, preaching good now. Stuff. Yeah. No. It's right. part of living in a culture where we've denied absolute truth for so long that now that disease is in the church. And mm. so now we don't want anybody to tell us what to believe. And our our solution, our answer is, well, I don't see it that way. Well, that's not how I understand. As though I, in my little finite spot in the world, can possibly say, well, I understand the word of God better than you do. Well, I understand the spirit of God. And so we've taken up this really, however I want to interpret the Bible as Mm -hmm. though, you know, so we Christian, we we've accused the world. I've listened to this and it makes me so frustrated. We've been accusing the world of not having absolute truth. Well, I want you to notice that three fingers are pointing back at you church because Mm. in the church, we don't want absolute truth either. We don't want anybody Mm -hmm. telling us anything. So we don't want, well, we, you know, in our church, it would work better if we don't have women in ministry. It would just, there are some of us who don't believe that or whatever, whatever, whatever. So it goes both ways. And that's where we're living today is in this, this mire of um, cloud, this, this fog of, I get to believe whatever I want to believe and you're not supposed to challenge me. Well, and if you like another great example, like beyond the the women in ministry conversation is like, you know, other, uh, other, um, you know, diverse groups of churches. Like if you go in the South, like I was born in the South and, you know, I've also pastored churches in the South, but like, it's not uncommon to go to a church and it's all African-American, right. you know, or go to a church and it's all Hispanic. Like if I went to this, like uh, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, I pastored a church there for a year and it was like, you know. Uh, you could go to, uh, I think it's, I don't know, apostolic, maybe, maybe an apostolic church. But like, if I went in there, Jeanette and Scott, I would be the only white person in the room. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's right, wrong or indifferent, but like, it's not uncommon. Um, and so I, like you said earlier, Jeanette, I think it just starts with the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, we kind of like been jumping around. This is great. I love it. Um, so Jeanette, <laughs> just kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Like, again, like, there's no structure to this show. When we have structure, we just throw it out the window after we start going. So it's all right. I'm good with Scott that. Sent it, Scott quit sending me outlines a long time ago, Jeanette. <laughs> I have. So when he goes, get an outline for Jeanette, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I haven't done one of these in a while, but okay, I will do it. So Jeanette, who have been the individuals in your life that have been influential to you in your ministry? Yeah. So I I have four individuals that have really shaped uh honestly my my life and ministry to be sure beyond my mom and dad. And I mean, you know, my mom and dad I told you were brand new Christians. We I grew up in a home where man they if the bible said it we did it kind of a thing. But beyond that, the external influences beyond my parents. Um I grew up under uh Dr. Lily McCutcheon. She was my first pastor. She's the one who uh, performed the wedding for my husband and I. And um, she she is a huge, was a huge influence in my life. Still is. Her voice still speaks in my ear. And so um, Sister Lily McCutcheon, my second um, significant 
person was Gerald Marvel um, out in the state of Washington. Gerald was the senior pastor in the first church where I was there for eight years as his associate, um, uh, kind of his executive pastor kind of person, uh, worked under Gerald. And oh my goodness, I learned more things of what to do and what not to do under Gerald Marvel than um, any, it was, it was the best first experience I think you could have as a senior pa- or as a pastor. So that, that was my um, probably a, a second person in that ministry frame. A- and then a little bit further out, um, I absolutely was so impacted um, when I went to Gulf Coast Bible College um, by Dr. Jones, um, uh, old, old preacher in the Church of God, uh, tremendous uh, pastor in the Church of God. But when he would speak about the scripture, it was as though he was translated into the scripture. And um, uh, Kenneth Jones, what a great um, man of God. And for for me, scripture literally became alive. I took him for every course he taught at um, Gulf Coast Bible College. If he taught, I was coming, um, you know, much like Gil Stafford, that kind of a man, when you stepped into his presence, um, scripture just became alive. And and then the, there's one more person that really impacted my life greatly in so many, many ways. And that's um, Ben Reed, uh, Dr. Ben Reed from the West Coast, um, African-American leader in the Church of God. Ben had, um, I don't almost, uh, it, it was an unnatural wisdom, a uh, um, a divine wisdom, a, a godly wisdom that I had never seen anywhere else in this light, especially in cross-cultural. And, and I knew Ben, I've known Ben, um, Dr. Reed, I should not call him Ben, I suppose, but I feel so close to him. Um, I watched Dr. Reed through the hardest challenges. You want to talk about challenges. Um, and just really learn to love, respect, and admire him. And he is one of only two people. And and I did not grow up in a system in the Church of God that you know embraces bishops or or any of that. He's one of two people that I have literally said on my knees, um, I I you you are my bishop. I, whatever you tell me, I will do. I trust Mm -hmm. in your leadership. Um, Those four people probably have shaped my preaching, what I believe, my excitement about the scripture, my, um, my relationship with um, people of other culture, those four men and women, I can't think of an area of my life shaped or informed. So could I piggyback off of that a little bit? Yeah. So what, so those are folks like that you were kind of under, right? Like people that you, you know, kind of a little bit older than you, like a generation before you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Who who would you, who would you categorize that? um, Who would you say that group is uh, of your generation? 
like I, when I think about it, like, you know, um, you know, three people to come to mind are you, for me, for you would be you would be Mitchell Birch and Claude Ribble would be the top three, like just people that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head that have influenced my life and have spoken into my life and told me it was going to be okay. Told me it was going to be hard, but told me it was going to be okay. But like, can you, um, you know, give a group of people that would, I mean, that you would say are colleagues that run alongside you. Yeah. My peers that, that, um, yes, peers, that's yeah, a great word for it. Yeah. My peers that I connect to and, um, have, have relationship with. I, I think some of those peers, um, that I've kind of grown up with, one of them is Greg Wines. Um, he is a peer who is constantly helping to challenge me, shape me, prune me. Um, I learn from he's so he's he's brilliant. He's so much smarter than I am. So I like hanging around him just because I learn things. Um, you soak it up. Yeah, I soak it up. I'm telling you, learn by osmosis from Greg. So Greg Wines is one of those people. He probably also has been one of those individuals who has been most helpful in helping me learn how to deal with my the challenges that come from within. He makes me think in that that vein. And so probably um, Greg Wines is one of those people for me. Another person for me is Steve Rennick. Um, I love Steve. He he. I always think his last name should be Renegade and not Rennick. Um, <laughs> I just love Steve. I just think he is a renegade. Um, but he's a renegade that loves Jesus and is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so um, I love I love watching Steve as he just boldly kind of crashes into some, um, you know, <laughs> glass stores and and addresses things and stands out and boldly defends women in ministry. I mean, he he's just he's a hero to me as well as a peer. I love brother Steve Rennick and, and he's a, he's a person with such integrity um, and authenticity. And so I, I genuinely um, think super highly of him. I think um, a third person, I'll give you, I'll give you one more person that um, I just look up to so greatly is Judy Weeks. Um, she's pastor down in Florida. She's pastored in Vancouver. Uh, she was on staff there, senior pastor in Florida. Currently, she is working outside of uh, a church ministry, but serving pastors is what she's doing now, caring, caring for pastors. Uh, Judy's one of those people who just believes in prayer. She has taught me so much about prayer. I don't even know if she knows how much she's taught me about prayer, but um, love Judy Weeks and love watching her as she walks in the spirit and how she listens and discerns. So yeah, there are those people around me. And as I talk about that, it just dawned on me that, um, I love being around people who challenge me. I probably, my personality, I'm an introvert. And so my personality is, and this is going to sound terrible. I don't really need people. I don't need friends. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm good without you. <laughs> that kind of a thing. Well, I, 
I have a funny story. So, like, growing up, Scott, I don't know uh, how much you've been able to to see Jeanette or to listen to her speak in person, but um, my dad always used to make the joke that Jeanette had the gift of disappearance. So she would preach, and then she would vanish. Like, she wouldn't stick around to say hey, or like you, or she would show up at a, an event like, you know, NAC or uh, Pastor's Fellowship or whatever it was, and then, like, you'd see her, you'd wave to her, you'd give her a hug or whatever before, you know, before... Uh, you know, the, the, you know, the event started and then afterwards they would say, amen, do the benediction. And like, you would turn around and she'd be gone, gone, <laughs> gone. I'd love to the take... rapture happens. That's right. I was pulled up by the spirit of God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so my dad always used to say that she had the gift of disappearance. I do. I have about that much. I can take big groups. I just, it's, And so as a result, as I was just now telling you about these people that impacted my life, I realized I'm attracted to people who challenge me, who make me think who, um, so I may not need them in relationship for a friend, but I, I am hungry for people who helped me to be better, who helped me to grow, who helped me to know. So yeah, peers that go before me, or mentors who go before me and peers who walk along beside me. And I have people I mentor. And um, it's interesting because as I think about this, um, I probably sometimes disappoint them because I'm not the kind of mentor who's going to be your buddy. I'm going to be a mentor who show up in your life every so often and hold you accountable. Um, And then I'm going to go again and have that gift show up again of disappearance. But interesting. (laughs) Well, you guys are helping me think about my own journey. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we know, thank you for taking the time out to be on the show. Um, Definitely have learned a lot about who you are and just kind of your your view of ministry and and even just kind of some of the things that, you know, not only the church of God, but even the church at large needs to really think about. Because I think the absolute, you know, not having absolutes, I think that has been Huge. something that has been plaguing all churches for a yeah. while. So great insight. If I could, if I could ask one more question. Sure. Um, I, I've been holding back tears this entire episode because I'm just marveled and grateful that you're here. But um, as somebody who's struggled in ministry the last couple of years, um, Jeanette, what would you what would you say to our generation? To you know, you can you can give me the the Paul lecture of you know keep up the good fight, but you know, honest to God, it's a struggle. It's 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 not for the faint of heart. It's not easy. Um, no, it's not. But what would you say? What would you say to Scott and me? Um, what would you say to our generation who who is in a world of just so much brokenness and so much hurt and so much struggle? Um, as young pastors, what would you say to us? And like, what would be your your encouragement to to continue on as tears just roll down my face as I've continued to struggle the last couple of years? Sure. First of all, I just I just want you to know, and Micah, you and I have walked together a little more closely and I do know your journey and I know your pain and, and Mm. the pain that's been there for some time um, as a faithful follower of Christ um, and trying to be faithful to 
the church you believe God called you to. And Scott, don't know a lot about yours, but since it's a similar journey of mm-hmm. uh, this, this uh, angst of I'm called, but I'm not, I don't feel welcomed or received. Mm-hmm. And so um, here, just a couple of things that I've tried to do in my own life. I just share them. It's, it's water from where I found, you know, this is where I found water for my own soul in those times. I think first and foremost, I would tell you um, it's so critical that you guys are literally climbing into the presence of God over and over and over. Um, we keep trying, and and hear me, we keep trying to climb into the presence of a church. We keep trying to climb into the presence of a calling. We keep trying to f- climb into the presence of a position. We keep trying to climb into the presence even of a movement. And, and it's like, stop it, because it's all just like sharp knives right now that is just cutting us. And every At time- At the end of the day, all, matters, all that matters is Jesus. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. And climbing into the presence of God, but doing it not, not only as a refuge, because it is a refuge. I don't just go there to hide out, but climbing into the presence of God in order to get quiet in order to be healed, in order to be corrected. Sometimes I'm the one that needs to be corrected, doggone it. I mean, sometimes it's me and it's it's there, but climbing into the presence of God and sorting it out in the presence of God. I think of Jeremiah, you know, and, and God said to Jeremiah, don't, don't run till I tell you to run. And don't go telling them you've got a dream when you have, when I didn't give you the dream. Don't do that. Don't be announcing visions. I haven't proclaimed to you first. So if I'm hearing God speaking to Jeremiah, who quite frankly, Micah, lived the way you're living. I mean, it didn't matter where that poor guy turned. He was rejected, wounded, hurt, you know, good grief. Let's name it. So God says to him, don't you dare do this. Don't run till I tell you to run. Don't tell dreams unless I've given you the dream. Don't speak a vision. And so the scripture literally says to Jeremiah, stand in my presence, stand in my counsel until I've told you what to do. Well, I don't think we're doing that. Micah, you're smiling. No, I was just saying maybe that's why the the book of Jeremiah is one of the longer books in the Old Testament. I know, right? (laughs) Because God told him to wait. (laughs) <laughs> wait, wait well he he not only does jeremiah he leaks over into lamentations so there you go mm. <laughs> he's still lamenting yeah second thing i want to give you guys and i know our time is short second thing i want to give you is make sure you have a firm foundation of what you believe and why you believe it not because you know here's what i've seen happen people get hurt in the church i see this not just pastors but it, People just in the world, I I have neighbors who have been so wounded by the church, they never want to go back. But when they threw the church away that hurt them, they also threw away their belief system. So they rejected God or they rejected holiness or they rejected whatever. I see pastors do that. So to your generation, Micah, to your generation, to my generation, we've got to get into the presence of God and we've got to stand on what we, but we've got to know, why do I believe what I believe? And I need to stand on that no matter what comes or goes or learn why it's not right. 
figure out what that firm foundation is. If it's true, then it's true. If women in ministry, if egalitarianism is right, then is it biblically right? Whatever that is. And last but not least, and this is the one I've learned um, probably in the last, I would say, two decades of my life. I have learned that the greatest strength, I can beat almost anything if I walk in a spirit of gratitude and joy, gratitude and joy, gratitude and joy. If I clothe myself with gratitude and joy, no matter what comes at me, no matter how much the hurt is, no matter how much the disappointment, no matter how much I am overlooked or undersold or forgotten, if I keep clothing myself with gratitude and joy, the spirit of God lifts me and carries me. And um, and it's amazing to me when I've, you know, I told you I'm learning to do that in the last two decades. When I've done that, it is hilarious. We started, it's a good way to you know, close the cycle. We started with wild stories, you know, stories gone wild <laughs> kind of thing. When I, when I been in the presence of God, I know the foundation I'm standing on and I clothe myself with gratitude and joy. It is crazy how many times God literally has taken me to places or people I wouldn't have been able to go to if somebody hadn't shut a door on me. But clothed in gratitude and joy, he said, eh, it doesn't matter. I got something over here for you. And so um, I, I'm not kidding. For a while, I kept score. And there was over, literally over, I think it came close to 100 people that I got to meet and share Christ with in some big or small way because something significant, tragic had happened in my life. And I decided to choose gratitude and joy instead of cynicism and frustration. And when I did that, God just kept saying, let me, let me open this door for you. Let me, no, no man opened it. Um, it's the revelation thing. I have, I have stood an open door before you and no man can shut it. And I claim that passage of scripture that if I live in the presence of God, if I, know what I believe and why and walk in it. And if I choose gratitude and joy, he will set an open door before me that no man can shut. And it may not be a position, may not be in a local church, but it is in the kingdom and it's kingdom business. Hmm. And in the end, that's all any of us have anyway, friends. Yeah. Well, and I think Alicia always gives me this, this, my wonderful wife gives me this word of wisdom all the time. She's like, you just have to give yourself more grace. Yeah. Um, and know that you're going to fall, know that you're going to fail, know that, you know, it's going to be okay. But, you know, this flesh, the flesh that Paul talks about a lot, you know, we, we tend to get really angry at ourselves and very frustrated at ourselves, but you know, that's what grace is for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, Jeanette, thank you so much for being on the show. I know Micah has, been begging hey we got to get her on a show we got to get her on a show and we finally made it happen so his dream came true christmas came early for you micah <laughs> the best christmas present i could have asked for 
Oh, goodness. And friends, thank you so much for listening to the Scott Steven podcast. Hopefully you have learned a lot from Jeanette's wisdom and her uh, teaching and preaching on our podcast. Um, So thank you so much for listening. And we will be back on with another episode for you guys. Take care. (laughs) 